The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello, and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I have a wonderful guest that I'm excited about. I've been wanting to get him on the show for a while. It's Steve Smith, the CEO of Zayo. Steve, welcome to 5G Talent Talk. Yeah, glad to be here, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Steve, I always start out by asking a little bit about the guest journey. You know, how did you get from where you were to the seat that you're in today? Yeah, I've got a very long journey, so I'm happy to talk to you. We've got plenty of time. Yeah. (laughs) My business journey has run over about a 35-year span. Before that, I spent, because I went to West Point, so I spent four years at the academy, and then you have to serve for five, and I ended up serving for seven. So I stayed in a couple extra years and was out in Asia. I was an aide to a four-star general, which was fascinating duty. And then when I got out, I went from... And this was in the, the late 80s. I went from one military, the real military, to another military. My first company was Ross Perot's company, EDS. And oh. you know, a lot of your viewers may not remember because it doesn't exist anymore. It got acquired by HP, I think, in 2008. But that's where I started my career, electronic data systems. And they had been around since the early 60s. And they had created an industry called outsourcing. And so they were Dallas, Texas based. Everybody that, you know, was around in those days in the seventies and eighties and nineties remembers Ross Perot. And so quite an interesting character, quite an interesting culture. And I was there for 16 years, a long time. And I lived all over the world. I lived in four countries and 10 cities over that 35 years. So my family and I lived in the United States, of course, in multiple cities. We lived in Singapore. We lived in Hong Kong. We lived in New Zealand in my career. From EDS to a handful of other companies included Lucent Technologies for a year. And then I went to HP for about three years. That's what brought me to the West Coast. And then I ran a company called Equinix, which was became the largest data center company in the world. Did a couple of years with a private equity firm, helping them raise an infrastructure fund, similar to what our two investors are, infrastructure investors. And then I've been at Zayo now for coming up on 18 months. So when I've had, I've been fortunate, I've, I've had the career of the opportunity to be a salesperson, a sales leader. I was a country manager in, in three countries. I was the president of all of our business in Asia during my EDS tenure. And then I ran all Lucent services business. Then I ran all of HP services for Carly Fiorina, who was a super high profile uh, CEO. She got replaced by a guy named Mark Hurd, who was a very high profile CEO, who also ran Oracle for about a decade for Larry Ellison. So I've had the Great fortune to work for really, really talented CEOs that I learned a lot along the way. I wouldn't say, you know, Pro ran EDS and I didn't work directly for Ross, but I worked for the original executives that started that company, which was a fascinating place. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've been able to learn from very, very talented leaders. So tell me more about Zayo for those that are listening that don't know who Zayo is. Who are your customers? Tell me about your services, what you do, who you serve. Yeah. 
It's private now, so it got taken private two years ago. But it's a 16-year-old company that was made up of 46-plus acquisitions. So it was considered a roll-up. Now, the founder was probably one of the most visionary executives in the fiber industry, which we'll get into here. And I'll try to simplify it as much as possible for your viewers because it's an internet infrastructure company. So we connect things. And so it's a young company, 16 years old. It grew very fast through acquisitions and it got into the business of we bought networks. So we bought company, we became the largest independent network provider in the United States behind Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile. So those are big networks, as we all know, that provide you know services for our devices that we carry around. And then, of course, there's a fourth player now called Dish that's deploying the fourth largest wireless network in the United States. And we service all of them. And this is the largest independent network. So it's all over the biggest markets in the U.S. through those acquisitions. And we provide basically fiber that connects buildings, data centers, towers, cell towers. We pretty much are the, you know, the behind the scenes critical infrastructure provider that makes the internet work. So, and on top of the fiber, we provide what we call lit services. So it's wavelengths of capability. We're very unique in that space. And then we do some internet connectivity and some security services. But basically, we're kind of the foundation of the communications architecture that underpins all this data and all these things that move around, you know, the internet. Right, right. So what is your vision for Zayo since you've come aboard? Well, I got convinced after, you know, running Equinix for over a decade, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I did determine, I kind of followed the, one of my leaders, Mark Hurd, who, you know, many of the viewers know passed away a couple of years ago, but was a great CEO for three big companies. He worked right till he, unfortunately, until he wasn't around anymore. I think I learned through my time at work that I really enjoy work. I love being around people. I love building things. I love seeing people grow and advance their careers. And so I really wasn't ready to retire. I didn't have another hobby. And when the two investors, and you know both of our investors, came to me and said, would you ever entertain running another company? The founder and I had built a really good relationship. So I knew the business. And in the internet infrastructure space, as you know, Carrie, it's simply put, it's data centers, it's towers, and it's transport companies, fiber, cable. Those are kind of the big industries that make up the internet infrastructure communication space. So I knew the model. I knew the people. I knew the culture. I knew it was successful. And I also knew that it had slowed down. And growth had slowed down, and they had run into a pivot point, and that's primarily why it went private, so that the investors could come in and invest in it. And I knew that that was kind of an interesting time, and the founder CEO basically asked me if he would step aside if I would come in and run this thing. And so we did that, and I've been here, as I said, 18 months. And, you know, I don't want to wander too far from the founding idea. I think it's very dangerous for the, you know, the next CEO to try to change the business model. So we're very clear on differentiation. We're a network. We provide great service excellence. We want to innovate on behalf of our customers. It's all about cost and speed of delivery in the network business. So it's critical that we position ourselves for the next wave, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute with 5G and, you know, the cloud going to the next phase, et cetera. But, you know, we're kind of, you know, like data centers and towers in what we do in the, in the transport space. You know, we're kind of the internet plumbers. Most of these companies are not really. I love know, that. The internet plumber perfect. These are incredible business models. Tower companies, if you go look at their history financially, they're incredible investments for the investors. Data centers have been incredible investments. The fiber businesses have been. And as you know, with, with our investors, they're super sophisticated about now investing in the future of the internet, which is the communications infrastructure pieces of it. Right, right. So 
how is Zao preparing the world for digital transformation? Yeah, as you well know, and your viewers know, digital transformation is accelerating at a very rapid pace. And I think we all saw the pandemic accelerate that, particularly with communications and bandwidth to the rural areas, to the home. And so I believe we're in the new norm now. Most companies are coming back to work as we speak, you know, now that we've got two years plus behind us of working virtually, which has been pretty mind boggling. I've done this entire transition for 18 months virtually. We have 3,200 employees. I've met probably 200. But if you think about that, you know, we've done this whole transformation at Zao virtually for the last two years. It's almost unthinkable. If you would have asked somebody, could you do this virtually, you know, three years ago, nobody would have believed we could have worked like that. But, you know, the cloud is continuing to evolve. We've had a good decade plus of this thing called the cloud, which is software as a service, infrastructure as a service, and network as a service. And now it's moving further out from the core markets, the big NFL markets, to the tertiary and the tier four, tier five markets. That's referred to in the industry as more compute storage and networking moving out to the edge. Well, the edge is where lots of people live. You know, not everybody lives in New York or Washington, D.C. or Chicago or Dallas or the West Coast, they live in these smaller markets. So all of the companies, all the hyperscalers, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, AWS, they're all pushing more capability further out from the core markets. So the last decade, they put a lot of infrastructure in data centers, bought a lot of fiber and lit services from Zao and others to get the cloud set up. And the next wave for the next decade is simply known as the edge. You know, the edge could mean a lot of things. The edge someday will be, you know, a self-driving car. An edge will be a data center. An edge could be in your home. An edge could be at a cell tower. An edge could be at one of our points of presence in our network. So that's exciting because there's a lot of connectivity required to handle all of these things that we carry around now. As you know, you know, if you walk around today and just look in any city or any building, there's cameras, sensors, just major amounts of data being process, moved around the network, analyzed to make the world go. And so this whole concept, the third big concept is this thing called the Internet of Things. And all these things now are being enabled by 5G. 5G is the fourth time that the wireless industry kind of redid. Every 10 years or so, the wireless industry re-architects the network. You would remember this, Carrie, and your viewers would. The way I think about the four architectures, you know, if you think back 40 years ago, 2G kind of enabled email. And then a decade later, we had this thing called 3G. It enabled the internet. And then about a decade later, they re-architected again, and it was called 4G, and it enabled the world of apps. You know, we all have that. Our kids, everybody lives in the world of apps. And 5G now is being built with cloud in mind, and it's going to be 10 times faster. It's going to be 100 times the bandwidth to handle all of this content and all this data that's being produced by these things. And that's what's happening. And we're going to live with this now for a decade. And 4G won't go away. And in some markets, you you can still on your phone see 3G. So it takes a while for these architectures to kind of take place. But what that means is our customers are putting more network, more densification in big markets, pushing it further out to smaller markets to make all of this stuff possible. Hmm. So, Steve, I know you talked about the transformation that Zayo just just went through. You know, let's talk about culture, because I know that you have a vision for Zayo's culture. Can you talk a little bit about what that vision is? Sure. 
culture is super important. And I think if you study, and I know you have many companies and work with many companies, if you go peel back the what, what's the secret sauce inside of a company, they normally have an operating model that's that's working at a high rate and the flywheel spinning. You know, the old Jim Collins concept, good to great, the flywheel spinning. And then you'll find that they have a good plan. They have a strategy, whether it's a three-year or five-year plan. Those are the first two things we did here in my first year. And now the third piece of the stool is getting our culture refined because my belief, and, and I saw this in the companies I've worked in and certainly the company I led at Equinix, that if you have, in, in my simple language, culture is the personality of the company. And if you haven't written it down and you haven't really understood what it is, you need to do that. So most companies have values. Most companies have a mission and a vision and a positioning and all that's kind of morphing today, but it can be an extremely powerful tool in a company. Now, we were 16 years old, discovered as a new leadership team that the values had gotten a little stale. So we've just refreshed the values. But the way I think about culture in the simplest way to describe Zales culture, it cultures the behavior of your leaders. It starts there. And I really think, you know, leaders get the behavior they tolerate. So if they really push the culture into the company, culture can become a differentiator for you. And I believe culture can help determine your destiny. If you have a great culture, and I'll give you the characteristics here. We're going to be very informal and open. We weren't that before. We Everything had to go up to the top. In this day and age, you have to have a sense of belonging in your culture. Yes. People want to make a difference. We're really pushing hard to think more deeply about our customers. I want, our, I want to have deep points of views about our customers. Everyone can make a difference here. We have 3,200 employees, and I want everybody to feel like they can make a difference. We've brought a lot of new leaders in the last year and a half I've been here, and it's amazing to watch fresh thinkers come in, fit into the culture and make a difference. It's lifting the old guard up to, you know, kind of change their game. We are injecting a high performance with relentlessly high standards here. And I think that's super important. But the last thing I'd say about our culture in this kind of business model, I want it to be understated. We're not fancy pants here. This is a group of people that are, you know, come from ordinary backgrounds, but to collectively together, we're going to do extraordinary things. Mm. And it's pretty powerful when you can do that. When people trust each other, they like the place, they trust their leaders, they get along with each other, and they're happy about coming to work every day, that can become infectious. And that, for me, drives the culture. And it's a powerful thing to watch. And we're right in the middle of kind of injecting that new thing here. Wow. I love what you said, that culture is the personality of a company. I haven't ever heard that before, but it just fits so well. Let's talk a little bit about how you and you know your team is handling the challenges of today's talent landscape. Do you have any interesting plans for talent, you know, acquisition, development, anything that, you know, that's really working for you right now? We do have one example, Carrie. This has been a tough time, as you know, and I'm sure you hear this from your other folks that you spend time with and the companies you spend time with, which is this great resignation that we faced the last two years. It's been really, really tough for really technical resources because they're highly sought after. We have a lot of technical resources and, you know, we get the big hyperscalers that like our people. And so it's been tough, but I would take you back to what we just talked about. If you have a culture that high potential people want to be part of, you can attract. So when we kind of redesign our culture, we asked ourselves the question, you know, top talent wants to be part of a cool culture and a great culture. Well, we got to make sure that it's that kind of place. We've had to hire a lot of people because we're changing the company. And we've done these things that we've referred to as blitz campaigns. So we will work through a three, four day period where we will line up. I'll give you an example. In our, We hired a new CIO, a new chief information officer. It had been an underinvested function here at Zale. 
We hired a new CIO. She was a rock star from one of our big hyperscale customers. She came in here and we gave her budget to kind of build up the function. And just this year in the first quarter, we've been trying to hire about 50 people into her organization. Now her total organization is probably 130, 120. We're injecting 50 people and we did it in a quarter. So we did full day interviews and we piloted this thing and we called them blitz campaigns. And within a quarter, we hired 38 people out of the 50 in, in less than two months. So it was pretty unique and it was the first time we had tried it here. But our story is so cool. It's easy to tell, you know, what's going on in the company. People get excited about yes. when the company's turning the corner and you start winning and you're growing at a higher rate. And so that's important. But it's important also because when employees come in, they, the first thing they ask you is describe your culture. Mm-hmm. What does the company value? Are there operating norms here? What, how do people behave with each other? I want to be part of a place that's growing, great culture, great values, and a place where I can be successful. And you have to answer those questions. Yes. Yes. Wow. I love everything you're saying. So I know, Steve, that you and your teams in the past and current, you've hired a lot of leaders. What would you say are the qualities that you look for in, you know, in extraordinary leaders? And also, I'd like to know the leadership principles that you value, that you live by. Oh, that's an interesting question. What do I think about when we hire leaders? Well, I've certainly learned a lot about that one, you know, for the people I've mentioned that I've worked for. Um, and there's probably a handful of things that come to top of mind for me. I really like to hire leaders that are disciplined about how they think about people, how they think, and how they act. And that's a hard thing to measure in an interview or, you know, a couple of interviews. But I really, I poke at examples of that every time I interview top leaders. I want people who insist on high standards. If you set low standards, that's where, you know, leaders get the behavior they tolerate. If you tolerate low standards, you're going to get low standards. If you tolerate high standards, you're going to get high standards. I love leaders that do what they say they're going to do. I love that phrase. You know, we've all heard that phrase a hundred times. I've actually been in some companies that have that posted in their in their. Yes, values. yes. So I like people that deliver on their commitments. I think it's important, you know, when we talk about leaders at the top of a company, that they have business, financial, organizational, people acumen. If they're going to manage big groups of people, you have to have a sense. You don't have to be an expert in each one of those. But I've always been a believer that you know what you're strong in. You know your borders. And you surround yourself with people that are around you that need that other expertise. And so I think that's critical. But here at Zao, I'm holding our leaders accountable to be very thoughtful about strategy, hard-nosed on metrics. Let's, let's make our numbers. Let's meet our metrics every quarter and push inspirational leadership down to the front lines. So if you do those three things in a company, you know, you'll see good things. And I think there's, I think the art of great leadership is getting people to do what must be done without a bunch of lip. No, sorry. <laughs> I think that's the X factor. And, you know, and I've always believed if your actions inspire people to, you know, dream more, learn more, do more, become more, you're a great leader. Drive thoughtful strategy, hard-nosed execution on your metrics. Yeah. You've got to make your numbers. Every every yeah. investor or, you know, whether you're public or private wants you to make your numbers. And drive inspired leadership all the way to the front that lines. That was it. I love that. Drive inspired leadership all the way to the front lines. Because I think that that's where, you know, companies have weakness is right in that middle. Yeah. Right in the middle. Because no up here... Everybody, you know, it's great. The, the culture, yeah. the inspiration, the vibe, everybody's, you know, in a good place here. But by the time it gets here, it's, you know, we've lost some of that. 100% agree with you. And as we're pushing our culture change down now, we call it the spine. 
it's that middle layer of leadership that can either make or break you. I completely agree with you. Your second question, personally, you know, what are the principles that I live by? I've had these two things that I've lived with my whole life and I learned them when I was in Asia. One is called the three L's and you're going to love this. So every leader I have come in or I've been around for my 30 plus years, I tell them when you come into a company, you need to do three L's. Listen, learn, and then lead. I've had horrible experiences where people come in from big, sophisticated companies and they go, I know how to do this and I don't need to listen and learn. I'll just go start leading. And they fall on their face. So that's a very important attribute that I look for that I live by today, too. I love the five P's and this comes from my military background, I think. Prior planning prevents poor performance. So I remind (laughs) people all the time about the five P's. Right. Um, I'm a big planner. I'm very disciplined and I've learned this. I learned this from Mark Hurd at, at P about this concept of operating mechanisms. So it's the written rules of what you do daily, weekly, quarterly, semi-annually, annually. So it's your fixed set of meetings where you communicate, make decisions. And so we have a very disciplined set of operating mechanisms here, how we run the company. And I've got it on one page. I can show you what we do, you know, how we inspect our funnel, how we do deal reviews, how we have staff meetings. And some meetings are for listening and collaborating. Some meetings are for decision. Some meetings are for passing information around. And if you get clear on that and everybody buys into it, it makes you go faster. You have fast meetings, you have fast talk, you have fast follow-up, and speed matters today in the business. So I I pay a lot of attention to that. I'm big on brutal facts. I like to confront the brutal facts. You know, so, you know, I like people getting to right to the point that matters. Right to the point. Straight talk, I think, speeds things up. So I have a huge bias for accident and urgency. And then I did, uh, the last thing I'd say about this, I had a coach and I, by the way, I saw that you're in that business too. I yes, love that. I was. <laughs> I had a coach along the way that had me build a personal credo. I didn't even know what that was. And she asked me three questions. And this was about my personal beliefs and leadership principles. And she said, what do I need to be successful? Secondly, what am I passionate about? And thirdly, what is my higher purpose? So I thought long and hard about it. She wanted me to draw it up into a framework. And I answered all three questions. And I've sort of lived by this for the last 10 years. What do I need to be successful? Relationships built on trust, humility, and authenticity. And so I'm big on relationships. I think it's what makes the world go around in terms of business. What am I passionate about? Winning. I always laugh when people say it's okay to lose, you know, as, as long as you learn. You know, if, if winning is important, then why does everybody keep score? Ask yourself that question. Yes. And then what am I passionate about? I got it down to one word, significance. It's It's got to be being part of something bigger than me. or big. And I always tell leaders this. It's got to be something bigger than yourself. And then, you know, the concept of legacy. You know, you want to leave a legacy and leave people better off than, than where you started with them. Steve, let's look down the road. Let's say three years from now. What will people say about Zayo? Well, here's what I'd like him to say. If we're, you know, when we're successful, I'm not going to say if, I said when we're successful. Zay was critical to the success of my business. You know, it has to be part of that language. I love dealing with the Zayo people because they think big, they get stuff done, and they have fun with me. That's the kind of people I want to work with. That the platform that we build, this network, we're going to push it all around the world. It's helping them connect their, their business at a higher rate than they ever did before. I want them to love our brand promise. You know, it's that we connect what's next. So we're always kind of looking around corners. The great news about our business model, Carrie, is, you know, the core of it is fiber, which is the speed of light, which connects things. There really isn't anything out there that's going to disrupt the speed of light. Not that I'm aware of, right? right. A, lot, 
You know this better than I do. So are you saying from disruption? Is that what you're saying? You're saying. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just saying, you know how CEOs of many companies, they're always thinking about what could disrupt me. Yes, of course. There's plenty of business models that can be disrupted. Now, we could not execute and we could do this or that wrong, but our technology... There's nothing out there that anybody's working on that's going to that's going to disrupt the speed of life. I agree. I agree. That's a powerful advantage we have. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. One more question. So, what excites you the most about your role today? Your role as CEO of Zayo. You know what just makes you jump out of bed every morning, ready to go? Breakfast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. It's probably the trends. I think we play a. And we've sort of talked about this and you introduced it with, you know, with the topic of 5G. I think we're so fortunate. We play at the intersection of the greatest trends in our lifetime. I actually personally believe the amount of change the next three to five years is going to surpass the amount of change we've faced the last 20 years. And when you're in an industry that's in the middle of that and you're playing a key role, I love that customers are digitizing almost everything around them. We can help them do that. I love that there's another wave of cloud unfolding that's pushing further out to the edge. We can help with that because, you know, we we provide network density and connectivity. I love that 5G is changing the, you know, the next decade of communications infrastructure. We are providing fiber to the tower for all the wireless players around the world, mostly in the U.S. initially. I love that the web scalers, you know, the big hyperscale companies, they're all getting more network dense and more connected around the world. It requires what we have in our toolkit. The last thing that I get excited about, and we're starting to do this now, is software is eating the world. Software is defining almost everything. So we have to pay attention to software enabling the network. And so our futures and our customer-inspired inspiration is all focused on software-facilitated network, network as a service, software-defined networking. And so we're spending a lot of time thinking about that. And that excites me because... People that, that don't work in this industry and you walk around with your devices, you know, you watch self-driving cars, you see all these things. If you're not in that industry, you don't even step back and say, how does that stuff all work? How does the internet work? Right. Well, it sits in data centers, riding on our networks, connected to cell towers. And that's an exciting place and it's growing, you know, and you want to be around growth. You know, Steve, here at Broadstaff, we staff for Zayo and we hear candidates and what they say. We hear employees and what they say. And everything that you've talked about today is what we're hearing and it's congruent with what we're hearing. So I know that what you're saying is happening. It's in the process of happening. And this future that you're creating and you and your team are creating is absolutely going to happen. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been so insightful. Like I said, I want to go back and take some notes. And, and I think you probably should write a book at this point. With, you've definitely got a book inside you here. <laughs> well, I love the question. And I really thank you for the work you're doing with us. I love getting fresh and outside perspective. And I look forward to seeing you again at some point. But thanks for taking the time. And thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.